0: Welcome to the Tactical Games Podcast. I'm Tim Burke, and I'm here with Nate.
1: I've done that before where we get rolling and it's like, oh, <laughs> we forgot to hit the button.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that would not be good.
1: No. So, how you been doing?
0: Good, good. Yeah? we're busy getting ready for Atlanta, but, uh, yeah, that's a good problem to have, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Tim, let's do a little bit of an origin story on you. You served in the U.S. military. That's
0: that's correct, yep.
1: Okay, how long were you in for?
0: So uh, I'm not sure exactly how long it was, but it was approximately 23 years, 11 months, 23 days, 12 <laughs> hours, and 19 seconds. Um, just a wild guess.
1: Just, just, just off the top of your head, eh? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but 24 years. Um, started off in the 82nd Airborne Division for uh, about three and a half years. Um, actually got out of the Army for about a year and a half. And then uh, went back in, made the jump over to Special Forces, and spent the rest of my career serving either in 7th Special Forces Group and a short stint over in the unit. Uh, Retired out of 7th Group in May of 2008, and uh, then jumped over into federal law enforcement did that for four years, and then hopped into the private security sector.
1: Outstanding. That's uh, that's some good times. Now you picked up a lot of experience over that, uh, you know, roughly 24 years of time and now you're applying it to the games. That's crazy. why, why this is the big question?
0: So, um, you know, the, the, the how is almost the same as the why. Okay. Um, while I was in, I, I was exposed to a, a, a really, really cool event. Uh, it's affectionately known as the, uh, counterterrorism olympics and i got to compete in it on two different occasions and uh uh, i jokingly say it's the most fun i've ever had with my clothes on and (laughs) um and just an amazing uh experience you're you're working around some of the greatest people in the world um some of the best and most talented and smartest um people involved with the tactical world uh, that exists—you um, can't get to it, you can't see it, you can't watch it. You'll never get to it. Uh, you know, go and, and be a visitor, um, unless you're in one of those specific NATO Tier One units that gets invited. So, uh, very fortunate to, to have been able to go. So, so I did that, and fast forward to being out of the army, and uh, I was watching a, um, a short video. On tele, uh, not television, but on YouTube, of a guy, um, we got a lawnmower outside. Do we need to wait? Uh, no, it should be fine. Okay, um, so uh, where was I? Um,
1: the YouTube video.
0: Yeah, so I see this YouTube video, and um, I'm not trying to be unkind, just observant, right? And the yeah. guy that I was watching shoot was extremely talented as a shooter. But he was extremely overweight, and and I, and, and look, that's fine. Um, people can find their sport and and, and do it, and that's okay. Um, I'm just glad he's involved with the shooting sports. But yeah. he he blasted an El Presidente. I'm talking blazing fast, and that was very impressive. But um, when he got finished, the narrator said, "Wow, can you imagine this athlete?" And I didn't hear anything else. I was like, whoa, "Oh, you're a frozen an athlete." Yeah, yeah. That, I I thought that's not an athlete. You know, again, God bless him for his skill level, but he's not an athlete. And um, you know, my experience with uh, both the unit and in C37 was we did really incredible out of the box training. You know, where you're, you just you never knew what was coming up next, and it was so engaging and so exciting, and, and really punched your adrenaline junkie ticket. Um, You know, one example I use, I showed up for work one day and, um, you know, an hour later I'm in full mop gear, chemical, biological gear, carrying a casualty through a 600 yard tunnel, um, you know, trying to, to, you know what I mean? You just just shake your head. You're like, how did I get here? And, you know, but, um, but so, so having those experiences, in my background, I had already kind of thought about doing the tactical games. But when I saw the video and they called that guy an athlete, I, I, was, I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to show the world what a real tactical athlete is. And so um, I just created a, an event that I thought I would like, an event that I thought I would enjoy competing in, something that would flip my switch and you know, lo and behold, there's a there's a whole population of, of men and ladies out there that feel the same way and want to do the same kinds of things. And so the tactical games is is really taken off at this point.
1: That's a that's a great uh, explanation because we do hear the word athlete thrown around um, a lot these days, like chess players. Okay, it's an athletic sport and and whatnot. And you're kind of like, okay, no, chess is. Chess is a, is a a brain sport, not a, a physical thing. And, and having seen some of those similar videos myself, it's like, I can, I can understand where your brain got hooked onto that word athleticism and athletic athlete. And what you're doing with the tactical games is you are providing that venue for people to show up to really showcase their athleticism and tactical skill because you're putting them through the paces. Like you said, now. Now that you've got the games up and running, it's it's going to be a year this September, correct? Uh, that is correct. Yeah. Okay. So in September, which we will see the games being in, is it South or North Carolina for September?
0: Yeah. So the, the next event coming up is in uh, Atlanta or just outside of Atlanta in June. Then we skip July. August, we have an event in South Carolina at the GTI uh, training facility uh, in barnwell south carolina and then um, uh, let's see June, august september october will be in north carolina just outside of fort bragg at the range Sorry, uh, again
1: october okay and then it finishes the year off in november and this is a very exciting because this is actually your home facility that we're going to end the year off with isn't yeah, it
0: yeah that's correct and, and uh, jtac ranch jtac ranch is uh, is going to be the home of the tactical games Uh, we're actually pushing dirt right now Um, and we are in may um, you know mid-may of uh, 2019 it's been a three-year lift very heavy lift to get this project off the ground Uh, but we're we're finally seeing dirt moved and the berms going up and it's getting really exciting so uh, we're looking forward to to having that event at jtac ranch in November, kind of as the the maiden, you know, big event to to kind of open the range and and make sure that the whole world knows it exists. And uh, it'll 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 be a unique facility in and of itself. Um, you know, you can go out west and find um, shooting ranges that are two thousand plus yards long, but they're at altitude and that change of ballistics and everything. As you know, it's uh, yes. very hard to find a range that has two thousand yards for precision rifle. Uh, at sea level and that's what that's what jtac ranch brings so it'll it'll be good it'll be nice to to have that event there
1: that that's uh so the athlete inside me is just listening to this going okay so that means he's probably going to throw something like casually carries for you know two miles and then you have to shoot back at uh, who's coming at you there's probably going to be some you know obstacle courses and some deadlifts and, and i'm just trying to think how devious is tim and there are those of you that are listening right now, you know, that have competed in the games that he's already come up with. Your, your brain's probably racing as well, going,
0: <laughs> oh, you know, rubbing
1: your little hands together, going, oh, this is going to be so much pain and punishment and, and so rewarding at the same time. Now, with that said, JTAC Ranch, like you said, it's been a three-year progress, and it's finally coming together for November. I am super uh, pumped to see what happens at those games. Stepping back to Atlanta. We've got that one coming up next, that venue, because your games are based around each venue specifically. It's not like you have a cookie cutter in your head, like, okay, this is what we're doing no matter where we are. It is very process oriented of that ground and the situation, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So every time we go to a new venue, uh, we redesign the... What we call battles, some, some sports, uh, like three gun would call it a stage or a heat or something like that. Uh, we refer to them as battles, um, because every one of them (laughs) is truly a battle. You're battling your, uh, uh, your fitness, um, fatigue, um, your endurance, uh, you know, your skill sets are being challenged. So everyone is, is a veritable battle. Um, but we, we design each battle based on the terrain, uh, the time and the assets that are available on the ground. So, uh, for example, if we go to a venue and there's water, I can probably guess <laughs> that there might be a water vent, you know, swimming um, or, or some some way that they are going to get wet. Uh, if there are mountains, you can guarantee they're going to be running up and down those and shooting plunging fire from up above down into a valley. Um, you know, for example, GTI and Barnwell, South Carolina coming up, um it is an a uh, decommissioned nuclear site, so these buildings that they have on site are massive and cavernous and veritable rat mazes inside and so uh you know hint hint you know pound your foot on the ground um stomp stomp to to give a hint um, yeah. guys are going to be doing stairwells and hallways and t intersections and four way intersections and climbing ladders and uh, anything and everything you could imagine in an urbanized industrial type facility slash CQB, um, purpose built location. Um, so the, the, the Barnwell GTI event will be way different than anything we've done, but it will of course incorporate all of the, the things that that make the tactical games unique and exciting, which is, you know, the fitness challenge as well as the shooting. So technical plus uh, physical.
1: Now to, to kind of quantify the the extreme difference from each games, uh, we talk about uh, Burnett, Texas. That one was a lot of physical feats. There was uh, the wheelbarrow. There was the sled drags, the farmer's walks, the Atlas stones, a lot of apparatus like that. And there was also the obstacle course and a three mile run. So again, based on the venue or the site or the, the battleground, each one is varies. So if you're signing up for the first time for a tactical games, you know, uh really expect to be pushed regardless of where it is. Just uh be aware that you will be pushed. And now I want to know why it's uh if it sorry, I'm, just, I'm gonna correct my statements there. At Barnett, Texas, we did three battles for over uh, oh, a day, and then the next day was another three battles. Correct. Is it always going to be three and three, or is there is it ground going to dictate the amount of battles?
0: Well, we try to um, to keep it three on Saturday, three on Sunday. Um, we found that pattern and template works well. If we um, if we gravitate towards doing, let's say two on Sunday. Um, it, it just slows everything down and the athletes don't feel like they're getting their money's worth. And so, um, so we'll probably try to stay with three and three. Um, I, I would pull the curtain back and I've been asked, you know, Hey Tim, how do you come up with your battles? And the answer we've already addressed part of it is I, I base them on the terrain, right? What, okay. what's available there. But, um, but to give you an idea, I also try to, uh, base it on the athletes uh and the way they come, so what I mean by that is you have some guys that are veritable uh, tow trucks you know these guys are just they're they 're shorter they 're wider they 're stronger they're they're little pit bulls, and then you know that runs the continuum all the way to the the thin little ultra marathon runner type athletes right okay. so so if i if I gravitate towards one style. Of battle, I, I can literally skew the field to favor one particular type of athlete. So, as I'm developing these battles for a particular event, I try to sit back and go, okay, what's available? We have open train, we have closed train, we have ranges, we have buildings, we have, you know, what is available? And then I, I try to pick battles that some of them, guess what, are going to favor the, you know, the little fire plug. Uh, style of of an athlete you know the guy that's five seven you know 200 pounds and is benching you know 340 yeah. and uh, and then I also try to add in battles so that it's not heavily skewed towards that guy that'll also be you know a three and a half mile to five mile kit run and um, you know that's where the obviously the thinner um you know athletes can excel so you know, an athlete can can look at an event coming up um a great source of intel is our instagram and facebook feeds um you can look at the the pictures we're posting uh for example in mississippi obviously we're posting pictures of tunnels towers yes. um a train so you know you can look at that and go okay well guess what i'm going to be climbing stairs they got a five story tower in the picture um you know and then you can you can go back to your gym or your home gym or whatever it is you do and um and cater your exercises and your, your regime to, to fit what might be coming up. Um, so I'll pause there.
1: Now on that, yeah. Cause we don't want to take the curtain back too far uh, in the first episode here. Um, we want repeat customers. When we talk about conditioning, cause you talked about the different spectrum of the athletes and people's physical um, makeup and everything. And being in the military, you see, you know, soldiers of all different shapes and sizes, literally, and everybody's suited for different things or whatever. But the ones that take the time to improve the areas that they're not good at are the ones that are how to word this more viable in the battle space. Is that uh, you? Do you agree with that?
0: So, so I've got a theory that I actually put together when I was in the army working as a team sergeant, and um, and what I say is that I, I want leopards. And people go, what? <laughs> what do you mean you want leopards? Well, here, here's the deal. The lion is the king of the jungle, right? He's the biggest, strongest, meanest cat out there, and um, it can kill pretty much anything if it uh, if it wants to. Um, but the lion's not as fast as a cheetah. You know, a cheetah can outrun a lion, but the cheetah is so much more slight of build that it's not the baddest guy out there, right? So I would tell my guys, look, I'm not looking for the lion. I don't care if you can bench press 500 pounds. If you can't pick your buddy up and run a mile with him because he's bleeding after he got shot, you're you're no good to me, right? Yes. Um You've got to be able to lift and move. So if you take the lion, which is the strongest, you know, baddest guy out there, and you take the cheetah, which can outrun everybody, either one of those is a, is a great skill set to have. but it comes at a, at a price. You know, the lion is strong, but it can't move. The cheetah is fast, but it's not strong. So what I would say is you look at the leopard, the leopard is the best of both of those worlds. The leopard is pretty fast and pretty strong, and it can kill a, a gazelle, for example, all on its own. It doesn't hunt in a pack. And then it can drag that thing 60 feet up into a tree and sit there and dine on it all by itself. Um, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that guy or gal that's pretty strong and and pretty fast. Uh, a good balance between the two is really what's going to make somebody best on the battlefield as well as, as a competitor in the tactical games.
1: And, and I totally agree with you on that statement. The, um, with, I'm ex-military as well, and with my troops, I always tell them, you know, you want to be good at the functional side of it, not just one aspect. And being a leopard is a great way to live life because you are functional in all aspects. Hmm. Yeah. That's so right. now, now with that said, how do you become a leopard if you are a lion or a, uh, a cheetah and we see these programs where people go to the gym and they follow their things. And I, I kind of got hooked on something the other day, like you did with the word athlete was, um, are doing these 45 minute workouts i'm like okay that's great you're doing a 45 minute workout but if you're training for something specific you need to be putting more time into that and um i used to race biathlon so i used to be a, a, a cheetah on skis you know in the snow and we didn't just do one training a day we trained specifically for that activity we we had Sessions, three or four sessions throughout the day when we are getting ready to race internationally. So for me looking at this and watching people develop themselves for the tactical games to be a leopard, you have to put more work in than just one 45 minute training session a day. You have to put in, you know, maybe two or three because you are training for the accumulation of three battles a day. So you have to bring your training up to that. Do you agree?
0: Yeah. um, I've been asked this quite a, quite a bit. And, um, I, you know, the perfect program out there doesn't necessarily exist. And, uh, well, it does. And it does and it doesn't. We don't put our battles out ahead of time. A lot of the competitions say, you know, hey, I, you know, on this date we're having our, our shooting competition. Here are the stages. And they actually publish those stages. And, and what happens is shooters go back to their home range and they set up those stages and they run those stages and those stages only. So by the time the competition arrives or the date of the competition arrives, they're really, really good at doing that one thing, that one stage, shooting exactly what they're going to have to do at the, at the competition. Well, we know that combat is not like that. When you leave the wire, uh, you know, you have a plan, you know, Hey, we're going here. We're going to do this. We're going to capture or kill this guy. Here's the the facility he's at, you know, we're going to crawl over a fence. We're going to, you know what I mean? You, you, yeah, you have to crap out, out of it. Out. Of it yeah. yeah. And that plan is, is perfect. Right. Until you get in your vehicles, climb on board the helicopters and you fly towards the target. Cause most of that goes out the door immediately. Right. Yeah. Um, so at the tactical games, we, we, we want to replicate both the unknown and the unknowable aspects of combat. So, you know, I've, I've caught a little bit of flack on, on social media where guys are like, it's not combat and da da da. Man, I, look, I can't shoot at you. My insurance company won't let me or I would. Um, but again, it's, it's a game. It's, it's a competition. You know, we're here to have fun. Um, but we're, we're trying to replicate those stressors. You know, I can't keep you awake for 96 hours. You know, that's something that could happen in combat and has. Right. Yes. I, I, I can remember going out on a, on a one night mission in Iraq and coming back two and a half, three days later. You know, it was, it was supposed to be a couple hours out and back and you end up doing, you know, 48, 50 hours. And, uh, so you, I can't replicate that, but what I can replicate is when you show up, you don't know what you're going to be doing. You don't know how far you're going. You don't know how many rounds you're going to be shooting until you're given that. You don't know the distance of the targets right? We can shoot rifle at two, three meters, or we can shoot rifle at 350, 400 yards. So I don't allow the battles to be published because I don't want people to become experts in the known. I want them to become a very balanced, very disciplined um, athlete in the unknown. So you could show up already to, to lift and carry heavy, heavy farmer carries But I also might have you run five miles just in kit, so um, it's a balance.
1: And uh, having seen that um, in Burnett, it was you know the obstacle course three mile run, and then the aggregate was the next one. And I was like, "Huh, interesting." I uh, I kind of hate myself, but I kind of love myself at the same time for doing it. (laughs) So yeah. So just to echo what you're saying, though the the ideal way to work out is to uh, is not to always be following the same regime, but just to kind of keep pushing yourself and, uh, you know, add an extra five minutes randomly to your rowing or add, you know, an extra couple of pounds to your uh, plate carrier and do your workouts or whatever, just to, to keep yourself on your toes. Now, I don't want to give away too many of my training secrets because I still have to beat some people out there, sure. <laughs> you know, <but laughs> if that's going to happen. Um so, Tim, you, you talk about not having the ideal workout. Is there plans to maybe have a a monthly battle challenge or something just to give those that aren't able to compete in the games uh, due to travel or location or, or whatever at this time to maybe do a home test? Because we talked about the other ones where they set up the ranges and people know it and then go home and shoot it for a week or whatever.
0: Yeah, so, so we're actually working with one of our partners, Grizzly Targets. Um, they're, um, they're going to be providing all of our steel, et cetera, for, um, upcoming games events, which is, is super great news. They have great quality products and, and we're glad to be partnered with them. Why that's significant is this, um, it, it'd be really difficult for people at home to be able to do all of the events that we do. It would get expensive because, you know, most people don't have a set of farmer carries. Most people don't have a sled. Most people don't have the bumper plates, you know, the weights to go on those devices. Um, so, so there are things that they can do at home. And we're going to be putting putting out a, a little bit of a preparatory program. Um, it's kind of like a six week lead up to the tactical games kind of um, workout regime. Okay. Um, we're not we're not there yet, but what we're doing with Grizzly Targets is we're coming up with a basic assaulter package. In other words, you can, you can go to, you know, either the tactical games website or the grizzly target site and you can buy this starter pack, which would include a couple of different targets and a couple of different workout implements, like a sled, um, farmer carries. You can, you know, I I wouldn't sell those because you can go to your local farm and fleet store or whatever and buy two five gallon water cans.
1: Exactly.
0: and you've got, you know, a $25 fix for that. You can carry those all day long, um, rather than spending, you know, $200 a set on some steel bars that somebody has to weld. So, so the answer is yes, we're, we're coming up with, um, a package that, that, uh, perspective athletes or, or, you know, re- repeat athletes could buy to, uh, to up, upgrade their, their training, <clears throat> excuse me, their, uh, training regimen at home, um. I'll I'll see if you have another question and and then I want to chime back in on, on training here in a second.
1: Oh, okay. Um, So you said six weeks out. That's because again, in the, the tactical games, there is no off season um, as per se, like normal sports, you get, you know, a winter sport, like I said earlier with biathlon. Uh, It's my go-to one because I did it for years is, you know, you have your three months of summertime where you're, you're, phasing out and unloading all the training you did the year before and for the winter and your competitions and then come fall you're ramping back up into everything and then you've got winter hits and then that's your four months of actual just physically demanding hard-on work and you're doing in the fall you're training loading the summertime you're doing your basic marksmanship stuff so you're kind of relearning your skills and you're, you're ramping towards this thing but with the tactical games it's every couple months there is no real downtime and there's no off season it's This is the season; it's year round.
0: That's correct. Is that
1: is that something you want to uh, talk about with the training?
0: Yeah. So let let me start by saying this, and then I'll address that. Um, So my goals when when I was an operator uh, was to make sure that my program wasn't skewed specifically towards the things that I was good at. Right. We want we want to broaden the, the the activities. And make sure that we are including what has been referred to as muscle confusion, right? If all you ever do is bench press, you're going to get really good at bench press, but if you have to use your legs, you're in trouble, right? Yes. Um, so, so everything that I recommend, I recommend full body workouts, right? Using your core and uh, recruiting all your accessory muscles. Um, CrossFit is a great way to do that. Um Uh, You know, now that I'm 52, my joints hurt a lot more. There are some things they ask me to do at CrossFit that I just can't do anymore, right? I've had a neck surgery. My elbows bother me. So, you know, getting into a a front squat position with the bar for me is impossible. I just can't do it. I spent four months trying to stretch my arms and my lats so that I could get into a good front rack position. Guess what? It's just not going to happen for me. Not, not so, the cards. so a crossfit style workout is what i recommend because it's hitting all of those muscle confusion points right one day you're you're lifting overhead the next day you're doing squats and deadlifts the next day you're incorporating running into it uh, so it's very varied uh, in nature and that's what's going to make somebody a, a more viable competitor at the tactical games so Here's what I would say, whatever you choose for your workout or your, your workout template. Uh, there's, there's a couple of things that you have to do. Um, and that's, you've got to push your lactic acid threshold. And here's yes. why everybody has a wall, right? So on one of my blogs on, on my website, the cheetah or the lion actually discusses this. And if you take two athletes, Nate, And one of them, let's say, is is a better physical condition than Athlete 2, but their technical skills are the same. So if you could replicate two shooters that have been through the exact same training and they're exactly the same level, right? Let's just assume you could do that. We know that's impossible in real life. But the assumption is that technically they're exactly the same. But if one is more fit than the other, here's how this works. If athlete one is more fit and on the command of go, they start into this physically grueling, uh, you know, workout. Athlete one is not going to hit his or her lactic acid threshold until about five or six, maybe eight minutes into that, that workout because they're fit, right? It takes yes. longer to hit the lactic acid threshold number, athlete number two starts in and they're not as fit. So they're going to hit their lactic acid threshold, maybe two and a half, three minutes into it. Here's why that's important. If I hit my lactic acid threshold at, let's say 160 beats a minute, my fine motor skills start to deteriorate, right? So at 160 beats a minute, all of a sudden pulling the trigger on either my rifle or my pistol, becomes a little bit more difficult. Holding the gun steady on target becomes more difficult. You're losing those fine motor skills. So if athlete one does not start to lose those fine motor skills until six to eight minutes into the workout, but athlete number two hits 160 beats a minute at two and a half to three minutes, they start losing their fine motor skills At two and a half to three minutes versus six to eight minutes that literally gives that the other athlete that's more fit more effective and technically proficient time behind the gun if that makes sense
1: it does so I, i totally
0: follow that so so whatever program the athletes follow to get fit and get into shape for the tactical games they've got to push their lactic acid threshold. So not, you know, you're not going into the gym to to do curls and, and look good for the girls. You're going in there to get close to making yourself puke every single time. And that's, what's going to make your lactic acid threshold go up, extend your effective time behind the gun and eventually lead you to a podium finish at the games.
1: Exactly. Now that, if, if you don't follow what Tim's saying, uh, definitely Google lactic acid because this is, this is something that we will talk about more in more shows because it is so vital to your athletic development that it will be touched again, uh, touched upon more often. Um, the other aspect that came up from that conversation right there, Tim, is the shooting and that this is twofold. This is, you know, you got your physical development, but you also have your, your tactical and your technical, uh, development as well. So let's talk about shooting development now okay what what because you have a plan behind everything you are a kind of a wizard of oz that actually is you know a wizard and when it comes to shooting what tips for the games do you have
0: so um that's a great question there's i always start my classes by saying there's no such thing as an advanced shooter um you know, when you hear advanced pistol class or advanced rifle class, really all that means is that you probably should master the basics before you come to this particular class, because we're going to be asking you to shoot from weird positions or with an elevated heart rate. So um, the first thing I say is you've got to master the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are stance, position, grip, sight alignment, sight picture, breath control, trigger squeeze and follow through if you cannot apply those things under a situation where there is no stress you're certainly not going to apply those when there is stress and that could be physical or uh, you know the the workout could cause that that stress or the position in which we have you shoot uh, on your knees shooting under a car shooting from behind a barrier in the prone kneeling sitting standing whatever it is If you don't have a a fundamental uh, grasp of those eight fundamentals, uh, you're not going to do well. So for most people, I say back up, quit trying to be fast, work on accuracy, work on accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. Start at I I literally start my pistol classes. I put people at about a meter and a half from their target and they they shoot that meter and a half until they're keyholing it. All the bullets are touching on a 10-round string. Then we back up to three, maybe four or five meters. Of course, that group spreads out. Then we keep shooting there, working on accuracy, slow-aim fire, until they get their group back down to where it needs to be. And you keep doing that until, you know, they're shooting pretty effectively with a pistol, for example, at 25 yards. Um, And you can do the same thing with a rifle. Um, You know, the, the techniques and the methodologies or training someone to do that um, can differ, but you've got to master the basics if you're ever going to win. It, it's perhaps it, I'm, I'm just
1: blown away by it because what you are saying is things that I've said for years, uh, you know, not that I'm like, I came up with the first or anything, but they're, they're key fundamentals is um, in, in any activity that you do, to be an expert, you have to have mastered the basics that's that's all it is you've you've mastered the fundamental basics before you can kind of become an expert and you have to do the accuracy before the speed because the first thing to break down that you lose is the speed uh when it comes to competition and everything so if you can be the fastest guy to fire off ten rounds or girl sorry um mm-hmm. that don't mean that don't mean anything unless you're actually hitting something you know uh, And again, starting at a close distance to have those tangible, immediate results that you can improve on and the consistency, and then you step back, and then you step back, just like your workout with the physical aspect. You start with a set number of uh, reps or a set weight that you want to achieve, and then you add to it, and you add to it. And for a lot of people, Tim, I feel that the shooting aspect is very underlooked or sorry overlooked and underappreciated when it comes to accuracy versus volume and speed
0: Do you yeah remember? absolutely absolutely um again you know i just for example went out with the orange county swat team here in orlando um maybe a month ago and did a, a day on the range with them and um you know even even the most experienced guys out there benefited from going back to the basics and what that does by going back to the basics is i you, you i know everybody that's going to hear this has heard muscle memory you got to develop muscle memory well if you make a muscle and you look down at your bicep you're going to see that that's there's no memory there it's muscle there is no memory inside of muscle and i know this is kind of splitting hairs but what you're really wanting to do is called imprinting behavior you're yes. developing a behavior and you can only do that and make it repeatable if you have a fundamental platform on which to start and then build. And here's how that works. So if, if I practice the fundamentals and I'm applying them at slow aim fire every single time, and let's just use 10 yards as an example, at 10 yards with my pistol, and I'm putting round on round. So all my little holes are touching, right, at yeah. 10 yards. Well, that then becomes pretty easy, and it becomes your normal behavior pattern, right? I know what to do at 10 yards. So because it becomes so familiar, then you can speed it up without a degradation in accuracy. So how do you get fast? You get accurate first, and then you repeat it, and you repeat it, and you repeat it until it just becomes second nature which means if it's from nature, it means a behavior, right? It becomes something that I've trained myself to do as a behavior. It's not something that you can, um, you know, attribute to muscle memory. You know, really what you're doing is just creating behavior.
1: Exactly. And behavior is the thing. Um, when I coach or instruct the the expression I go back to, um, and I, I just love it because it came from a fantastic person is uh I'm I i do not fear the man who's done a thousand kicks. I fear the man who's done one kick a thousand times. And that's oh, wow. from Bruce Lee. Um, uh, you know, that to me it's like that means perfect your accuracy, perfect that one skill before you move on, you know. Uh and that's how I interpret it and, and that's how I apply it to to teaching and training. Now for those of you don't know, Tim actually does offer uh courses courses and clinics um through the uh, the tactical games through your own um, time. You can book your time with Tim and sit down at the feet of the uh, the the, uh, the man of Oz, I or whatever term I can phrase I you with. I,
0: There was a guy that came up to me in, in Texas at Revelly Peak Ranch, and he said, "You're an evil genius." <laughs> I okay, kind so, of embrace that. I'm like, I like that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's what we'll call it. So so you're you're you know uh, I'm Pinky, you're the brain, and. Uh, the evil genius you can sit at his feet and you can study with him there's different packages different levels of uh training and different uh time frames uh, amount of time there's i think one package is four days um and it's a whole you know six o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night kind of thing with uh, physical and ranges and all sorts of fun stuff so if you're listening to this and you want to sit at the feet of the evil genius then you have that opportunity and i'm not gonna lie i will be doing that uh, sometimes myself in the next year, just to uh, say I did it and survived, hopefully.
0: the <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us on the Tactical Games podcast. This is Tim Burke, and we hope you'll join us on our next podcast.